Father, we thank you this morning. Father, when we hear the words of the song that's just been sung, Father, we throw out a challenge to us, Lord, in, in this broken world. The Father, we have this tremendous message, testimony, story that we carry around in each and every one of us to go out to this, this lost world, this broken world, to tell them about your son, Jesus Christ. Because he really is the only answer. He really is the solution. He really is what people need in their lives, Father. And those people this morning, Father, who really are in need of that, Father, pray that you give us the opportunity to share your son with them. Father, we just come this morning around your word. It's a living word. It changes us. It challenges us. It teaches us. It encourages us. Pray that you'll just bless us this morning in this time that we have together in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing on with our, our broken series um, this morning. And one of the things that I wanted to share is obviously if few people have texted for messages, conversations about uh, this particular subject is how relevant it is for each and every person's life. Um, that different things that had happened to people and just things that people had just been challenged by through the words that had come uh, over these last couple of weeks. And I've said to most people, I said, you know, it's incredible that you really could spend a whole year in this series just talking about this particular subject because it's so relevant to people there's so much of it in the bible that has something to say uh, to each and every one of us so we want to make every word that we say from the front here count we want to make sure that it, that as it speaks it's not just empty words because we, we haven't any time to waste and we have time that we, we want to take God's word and, and put it into uh, people's lives with the help of his Holy Spirit. And so we're coming to the, another part today. And, uh, you know, I want to say something this morning. You would notice on your chair as you came in this morning, uh, everybody had a bottle of water. Uh, the reason that is will become apparent because one of my sermon points this morning was water is free but we don't give it away free in this church. We charge you all 50p for it. So I thought this illustration would make a lot of point if, a lot of point if I said to you that water was free and we actually charge you for it. So what I thought I would do, it doesn't happen very often because most people who know me know that I'm so tight that I squeak, uh, that we, are, we have given everybody a bottle of water this morning. If your conscience tells you that you can't take the bottle of water, you have to pay for it, Either put the bottle back on the way out <laughs> or drop 50p into the tin. Okay, I will leave that choice up to you and stuff. It would be true to say at the beginning of the introduction today that water is essential to our existence as a human being. We can survive for about three days uh, without water and after that our body would begin to shut down, be serious health implications, even the loss of life. Us living in the Western world, we're very fortunate uh, that most of us, as we go home today, uh, that's not part of the illustration, I genuinely am thirsty. Most of us are fortunate and blessed that when we go home today, 
Uh, none of us will have to go down to the bottom of the garden and start pumping water to get the water that we need um, for our day-to-day -day living. We will go in the house, we will turn the tap on, uh, and we will be provided uh, with water as much as we're required. And uh, the Bible does not comment on really every aspect of life. You know, things like modern technology is not mentioned in the Bible. We, we read the Bible because it speaks truth, and its truth is timeless. And which means, though written thousands of years ago, it has become uh, irrelevant to us today. Uh, re sorry, relevant to us today. And so, what I want to talk about this morning is, is a passage in Jeremiah. It's one verse, and it talks about the broken cistern, the, the broken well, where people went to get their water. And it really relates to each and every one of us because of this. Because there is a supply we go to in God. There is a supply we go to in God and we have a choice where we get this supply from when we come to God. And that challenge is thrown out to, by Jeremiah to the readers um, of Jeremiah 2 chapter 13 which we're going to be looking at. And it, it challenges us today. It challenges us today just to simply, do, do we drink the fresh water that God is giving to us or do we drink the water from the muddy cistern, the muddy wells that are available? And all will become apparent as we look at, at this and I'm going to, by way of introduction, just continue on just with the water theme because it will make sense to us as we come uh, further down uh, the line. In Bible times, it was absolutely essential um, that the primary concern in looking for a place to live um, was simply a water supply. You had to have a water supply. We might not think about it in this particular part of the world, but if you were living at that particular time, you had to make sure that you lived near a water supply because it kept you alive, the, the, the heat of that particular part of the world and stuff. It was absolutely essential. Now, there were, there were three sorts of water supply. And uh, you know, the first one is this is this was the, the jackpot. This was to live near flowing water. And so this was what they called a spring, uh, and it was an endless supply of fresh water, a fountain of cold water that constantly was moving. Uh, and a lot of times in Scripture, God's truth, God's word, the life of God, is described as this, a fountain of living water. So if you live near this, this was the supply. You, you, could, you could simply dwell here, live here. This is what you needed to do because this was a constant supply of water. That was really the most important one. The second one is this, is, is groundwater. Now that simply means that, that, that you had to dig down a little bit. Uh, you went down far enough to hit fresh water and then, then you built a well around it. And there were lots of wells that are mentioned in Scripture. We know that Jesus meets the woman at the well. We know there were lots of wells mentioned in, in the Old Testament. And so we, we know even from the story that we read in John 4 that we'll touch on, that at a particular point of the day, the women would have gone out with their, their buckets, their jars, whatever, to collect the water from, from the well. It was something that needed to be done. And then the third one is mentioned. This is called a, this is called a, a cistern. Now, this is totally man-made. This is a large Pool, and this would be man-made and simply this would be to collect the rainwater or any excess water that, that, that you would have. You would call this a cistern. 
Now, this is important for me to explain this because this would be the sort of water that you would put in there. You've built the pool yourself. It would be muddy, sort of stagnant, stinking water. And that would be the sort of water that you wouldn't drink unless you really had to. But that, that's the third thing. And these are man-made. It would be, if it rained, there would be a sort of pipe that would run down in, into these pools and stuff. And that will become apparent uh, as we go on. If you read through Scripture in the Old Testament, there are many well-known verses that illustrate how essential water was and how the phrase fountain of water represented the word, truth, and life itself. One that most people will know is this. Psalm 1 verse 3 says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers and so in the opening psalm the actual description of a person who lives close to God who abides in the word is actually described as a person who lives is like a tree planted by streams of water why because understood the need for the life and the growth and and so that's why it's likened for that because it makes sense to the readers of the time for us today when we think all we've got to do is turn the tap on or all we've got to do is just go in a sense bottled water go and get some water and stuff for, for those that lived at that time that illustration of somebody who lives for God and abides in God it's like a person a tree planted by streams of water why because it was a supply into the tree to help it uh, to grow Jeremiah even touches on it as we move through this he says this in 17, 7 and 8. It says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. There's a whole sermon in that verse there that simply talks about, well, what? The one who has confidence in God is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream that makes sense when we understand uh, what I've shared at the beginning about the types of water that people needed saying if you're close to the supply it says you will grow it says so if you plant a tree and you plant it by streams of living water it says that will that will just naturally grow and it's likened to the person who has a confidence and trust in God and so we see also that the, the, the final one in Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And then we see that picture there. There was a song that we used to sing in church, and anybody who's probably over the age of 30 remembers, As the deer pants for the water. Yes, I do you remember it? That's why we remember that. Remember the chorus was so high, nobody could reach it. Do you know what I mean? It was. And, and, and so, but the, that idea there, that the deer pants for streams of what? Streams of water, living water. And it's likened to who? The person whose soul thirsts for God. How essential is this? So it's clear from our understanding of the Old Testament that, that here, that God was the provision for the people if they abided in her and kept their commandments. God was a fountain of living water, an abundant living supply. It is continued in the New Testament, John 4, Jesus sitting at a well in Samaria. When a woman comes to draw water, this would have been a daily task for her, involved significant effort as she came to do this. 
Jesus asked her for a drink. Verse 10 tells us that Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you, he says, living water. And his reply is this. He says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What Jesus does, as he does with so many circumstances in the Bible and people he comes across, he takes something in the physical and turns it into a spiritual lesson. Because he turns around and we would all understand what it is to be thirsty. I'm thirsty up here this morning. I said, if you're on a hot summer's day and you're walking somewhere or going somewhere, you feel thirsty. Jesus uses that physical illustration to make a spiritual point that the thirst we have is temporary. But he offers a thirst that, 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 will, that, that will something that will quench our thirst, something that will, will feed our thirst, that will never be thirst again. And he says it with the woman here, here, because that water that he speaks of is not to quench a physical thirst, but a spiritual thirst. And we know as the story goes on, the woman shares her story uh, with Jesus. And Jesus gives her this, 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 this thought of the living water, that he's the, he's the, the water of life. And, and he shares that with her. And, and he sees not just the necessity, but the importance of water in our spiritual lives. And so this morning, just as we finish introduction, we're going to see what happens when the supply runs out. What happens when the drought comes? When we accept water from anywhere? When we think that anything and everything will quench our thirst? There's a verse in Jeremiah that says this. And this is really our focus this morning and our time left. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. The historical context of this verse is this, is Jeremiah preached and lived in a day when the, the people of Judah, the southern portion of the nation of Israel, they turned away from the living God. And so Judah, uh, sorry, Jeremiah writes this, this letter to them. And Jeremiah is the modern day sermon illustrator because he uses things that, that people will understand. He describes them like this. He said, so they would understand they have forsaken God, the living spring. And we said at the beginning, if you had the living spring, that flowing water, that would be all you would need. You've, you've in a sense, hit the, the thing that you're looking for. And they said, they've forsaken God that way. And, and they've certainly dug their own cisterns for their own supply. Things of value, things that won't last, but actually says broken cisterns that simply don't hold water. And so Jeremiah challenges them about this because he writes to them and says, no longer are you devoted to God. No longer are you depending on him for your spiritual needs. You have turned away from the fountain of living water and you are simply looking everywhere else to quench your spiritual thirst. What happened, to sum it up, their relationship with God was broken because their supply to God was broken. And in our series this morning, as we look at that broken thing, this has really challenged me about, you know, we can be people in a sense and have it all right on the front and the face of it. But actually our supply can be broken. We can have our own supply, our own system and the fountain of living water that's over here that God is offering to us. We can be ignoring that and not going to that for anything that we need because we've got everything that we need here. 
And it's really a message for us as the, the church. It was a challenge for me as I sat and wrote it and stuff. And it's so easy. You know, the challenge sometimes, you know, I'm gripped by this. We could do church without God sometimes. <gasps> what do you mean? He says, we could. I mean, what? we could do church without God. There's, I, I could do my Christian life without God. I know the verses to read. I know the songs to sing. I know the words to say in my prayer. Why? Because I can take it out of my own system, my own supply that I've got over here, and forsake God. And the challenge that God gives us this morning is simply this. Is this is wherever this was something broken in our supply in our lives, we're challenged to do something about it. As Jeremiah lays out this challenge, you see, their problem is this, and they've done two things. It said they've forsaken God. You know, forsake simply means not just they've turned away from God, they've put him in second place. They've said he's second. He said that something else is more important. And and Christians, we can do that as well. I can do that. And say, what do you mean? We, 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 we can say there are other things that come along in our life and we can put them in second place. Our own systems, and that's what they've done. Tried to think that they could get their own supply that would satisfy their spiritual need. But the people of Judah found that their systems of their own making were broken systems. They couldn't even hold any refreshing water, not even a bit. It was like pouring water into something and watching it just leak out the side. He said, that, that's really the message that he's giving to the people this morning, as, as, sorry, as he writes this. You know, it's not that their systems did not become broken after some time of holding water. They were broken from when they were built. Why? Because it was an alternative to God. And, and you see, when we talk about God being jealous, not jealous in the sense that we would look at and say, oh, he's jealous and he doesn't like anybody else to have something. Now, that's not the jealousy that God is talking about. God challenges us because he's jealous, because he simply wants to be first in our lives, because he knows what's best for us is for him to be first in our lives. And that's a challenge that he throws out this morning as we look at this. When, when the people of Judah turned away from the Lord, who had done so much for them, it says that they'd done two evil. They'd done guilty of two evils. One, they tried to construct an artificial reservoir, a pretend spiritual life. How many times, me included, preaching a message, we pretend and have built ourselves an artificial, pretend spiritual life. If that wasn't bad enough, they turned away and rejected the water from the life-giving spring. It was tragic. It's a bit like this. You were sitting in church thirsty this morning and you need to drink. And, and I turn around and give you two choices and say to you, it says, listen, you can, well, you can't drink from this one because I've drunk from it. But anyway, we'll get a, a, a fresh bottle of water that's just been sitting in the fridge. And say, you can drink from that bottle. It's fresh, it's unopened, it's chilled to the right temperature. Or I can go out to the drain out there, scoop out a glass of that drain water that's lovely and muddy that everything has flowed down into over the last couple of weeks and say to you, it says you have a choice of, of, of what you can drink from. You can drink from the fresh water or you can drink from the muddy water. And the people of Judah had chosen to drink from the muddy water. And we look at it and say, my, how could they choose that? 
Well, we'll have a look at it because it gradually happened to them over time when they thought to themselves, what we have in the muddy, stinking water that we're trying to drink from is better than the fountain of living water that God is offering to us. And so we have to look at what's broken in there in the middle. See, see, unlike Judah, and in the previous verses, speaking about the other pagan nations that were loyal to their gods. And you see, God sort of, he has his sympathy for people who have not made that decision yet. There's that compassion for them because he writes simply and says, listen, they're worshipping these idols. These idols will never do anything for them. There will never be any good that comes from these others worshipping the idols. But God says, you people, you people have actually, you've worshipped me, but you've actually seen me do all the stuff that I've done by opening up the Red Sea and delivering you into the promised land and seeing all the good things happen. All those things have happened. And yet you choose to neglect me and forsake me. And that's why God is coming through Jeremiah just to begin to say, listen, you need to, you, God always gives us a choice, doesn't he? To say, you know what, you can return to this supply. You can return to this fountain of living water. You see, what happens is this, if you begin to cut off your supply to the living water, you will begin to dig out your own cisterns with water in it that will just do. Jeremiah, in the preceding verses, as I said, reflects upon the transition of Israel from being satisfied in God to seeking satisfaction on their own terms. We can all do the same things in our walk with God. The neglect of things that sometimes we put down to freedom of choice. We choose to pray, we choose to study, we choose in a sense to dwell in him, to abide in him, to live in him, to, to talk to him and ask him, God, what is it you want me to do? And sharing this with somebody last week when, when we talk about the decisions and the choices that we have to make in life. It's not like this where we take the step and go forward and say, God, you come with me. Well, you walk with me through my life. It's not like that. It's God is in front of us and he's leading us uh, to where he wants us to go and what he wants to do. Too often today, we have people who want to say, I will go and do this and God will just come with me. And God's no follower. He's always the leader. And he comes and, and, and he does this. And see, it, it, these, they've committed these two sins that we talked about and they, they've forsaken me and they've dug their own. You see, broken cisterns, broken supply, they can be represented by some things. The first one, forsaking God, putting God in second place, saying that when things happen in life, when the choice comes to do something, you know, our priorities are always determined by our choices. They simply are. It was true of the readers here and it's true of us this morning. Our priorities are determined by our choices because it brings us to that second point. We decide what we need. We would look at the people of Judah and think, how foolish. God has got all this on offer for them. And yet they have turned away to think they'll be satisfied by their own need. But I tell you, there are people that are not sitting here in here this morning who have made that same mistake. There will be people in here this morning who have made that same mistake as well. That sometimes when things happen to us in life, we think we're better off with the other supply. 
We're thinking, no, actually, I can work this out myself and sort it out for my own supply rather than what God has for me. The third thing we see is this, is the immorality, the compromise. We know which way to live. The Bible is still relevant today in the decisions that we have to make about living together before we're married, about sleeping together before we're married, about whether or not we drink alcohol, about some of the places we visit and we make excuses for and say, this is a place, well, I'm a Christian, I'm going in here to be a witness. And we make all of those decisions. And for some of us, I have to tell you, it's just compromise. It's idolatry. And people say, well, that's, well, that's uncomfortable, that is. And, you know, some of you are wishing to think, I wish you'd taken another Sunday off. But the reality is, it's compromise that creeps into our life. It's compromise that creeps in. And I'm going to use an illustration in a second to show you that. Because we look at it and say, all these things that we think, I can tell okay now, it's 2020. Somebody said to me, that, not, not from this church, it's progressive Christianity, somebody said to me. That's what it is, that simply everything's game now. We can just, everything's not game there is a choice to make about where we get our supply of living water from. It's either the fountain of living water or it's our own system. It's a choice that we have. The idolatry is simply the same as the compromise of choices and then unbiblical teaching that follows. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures falling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We want to add God onto our lives so we can continue to live the way that we are living. That was the problem with Judah. They thought they were better off in their own supply. And yet there has to be that clear cut off, that distinction in the way that we live through our choices, through our compromise, through even in a sense the things that we spend our time doing. We don't call it idolatry, but we call it something that says this is, this is what I devote my time to. If I looked at the time that maybe I would spend doing a particular thing compared to how much time I would pray or how much time I would read the Bible, that's a challenge thrown out to each and every one of us. You see, and none of us, none of the above, like the broken cisterns of Jeremiah's day, can hold anything of any value. That's the thing I think is so key. The thing you value. You know, what, what, what do we have to offer the world? We, we don't have to offer the world this idea that, that, you know, that come to Jesus and everything will be okay or come to Jesus and you'll never have any problems. Come to Jesus. Listen, there, there is only one message we preach. We preach Christ and that's the mission and that's the message and that's what we have to preach to the world. We think there are things that are of other value and, and they're actually not of any value. They can't be held and, and it might be our preference and it might be our opinion and it might be our choice but we're taking them from that cistern of our own supply by ignoring the fountain of the living water. You see, a slow leaking cistern can be represented by all of the above happening just a drop at a time till the damage is done. Last year we had a leak in our house. Every preacher always uses every circumstance 
that they ever go through for a sermon illustration. So when I went to Disneyland, I used that for about six months. And so now I'm using this. And we had a leak in our house. And we couldn't find the leak. We couldn't find whether it had damaged the walls, it had damaged the thing. I thought it was my fault, as men do, by installing the washing machine wrong, but I found out that it wasn't. But there was a leak in behind the walls under the concrete floor. And it had been leaking since a house was built 19 years ago. Drip, drip, drip. And I said, no, we didn't know anything about it. We never noticed it. We only noticed it when there was marks on the wall. And so you phone the insurance company, you ask the insurance company to come out and start to dig up the concrete floor. And then he says to me, he says, you've got a leak. And I thought, I know that, <laughs> you know, that's why I phoned you. And so he says, you've got, but you've got, but they couldn't find the leak. They couldn't find where the damage was starting from. We, could, we tried to do everything. We tried to dry the house out with the big dryers. We ripped up all the floors. All the, the plaster was off the walls. The place was like a building. So they still couldn't find the leak. And, and I remember the fellow saying to me, he says, it will not matter what we do until we find where the initial cause of damage is coming from, where that, that leak is coming from, that drop, drop, drop is coming from. And eventually they found it. Eventually, and there was a wee small pipe and just in the bend of it, there was a wee copper thing and, and, and that had been leaking for 19 years. There's no truth to the rumour that Sam Clark installed it either. So there's a... <laughs> and this had leaked. And when they found it, they could fix it. But, but I thought to myself, for the first 12 years we lived in that house, we had no idea. We had no idea, even though that was leaking Every morning, every afternoon, every evening, every time we walked through the house, every time we, we went into that room, and everything, it was leaking. And we did not know it was leaking. We did not know the damage that was being caused underneath the floors of our house until it became evident, until it became to the point where we had to rip up the floors, rip out the walls, find out where the leak was, and have a repair job of, I don't know how many tens of thousands of pounds to fix something. There was just a small drop of water leaking, leaking, leaking. And as I said, like all preachers, I said, you look at that as a sermon illustration. And it got me to think about us as people, that often there is things going on inside that are just simply like that leak, drip, drip, drip. Nobody else knows about. But they're causing the damage on the inside. And you see, it only becomes a problem when it becomes evident, not just to you, but to everybody else. And the damage is done then. Thank goodness that damage was repairable. And I've said so many times through this series so far that the, the, the damage that, that's, that has probably happened in our lives is repairable through God as well. But it made me realise how important it was to check and to make sure. And I see that that is what is happening here in this situation. Now, this has not happened overnight for the people of Judah. It's been a slow drip, drip, drip. Walking away from the fountain of living water. Walking away thinking, it's okay. I have my own supply over here. Moving further away. It's okay. I can take what I need from God out of this muddy supply over here. And eventually all that's left in here is all the dirt and all the mud and all the compromise and all the idolatry and all the choices. And the fountain of living water seems miles away. 
And it wasn't done in one step, in one day. It was done gradually by small compromises, things that suddenly began to break. And you see, that's what we talk about, the, the theme of brokenness, that actually sometimes there are things that it's gradual. The water's problem underneath, and it just drips away, and we can't see what's happening. But some damage is being done because of the choices that we are making. See, the truth of it is this. It's not that the world we live in today has turned its back on living for Christ. It's that the world we live in today want to live for Christ on their own terms. See, God's desire is a relationship with his people, but it has to be on his terms. He says, we cannot agree to follow God, but live by building our own cisterns. Broken cisterns that hold no water, and, and, and even if they do hold any water, it ceases to be living. It's stagnant. It's stinking. It, the process of deterioration has begun. It's mixed with impurities, and, and we can never build anything that will hold what God has intended for me and you to have unless we go to the true source, the fountain of living water. All other supplies are broken. We must live by streams or we must die. You know, it's funny, God always gives people the chance to be redeemed. You know, when we talk about the stories in the Old Testament, redemption is always on offer. This morning as we come to the table, that's redemption that was on offer for me and you. He says God always wants to redeem his people. And even in this story, we see that, that he gives them chance after chance to return. But they just simply turn further and further away. He says in terms of the illustration, verse 18 indicates that instead of turning back from the broken cisterns to the fountain of living water, they, they moved away to other water sources. They moved away to the river Euphrates where, the, where, the, where they talk about in Babylon where the waters were bitter and it doesn't give them what they need. You know, they, they went to the Nile and some of them died by the Nile because they simply wouldn't turn back to God with what was broken. And God presents that opportunity always in his plan of redemption for his people to come back to him when things are broken to get fixed what needs to be fixed. And you see, we see that we must do that because it has consequences. And, and Jeremiah, all the way through his letter, he, he shares the three consequences of them not dealing with and not doing what God wants them to do. And God always offers us a second chance. We sung it this morning in the last song. We sing it in the songs that we do because we believe it, that God is in the business of second chances. And he gives second chances. But, but if we don't take his second chance, there are consequences for the decisions that we make when we drink out of our own cistern instead of the fountain of living water. You see, the first one is this. It affected the next generation. Jeremiah 14 verse 3 says, The nobles have sent their lads for water. They went to the cisterns and found no water. They returned with their vessels empty. They were ashamed and confounded and covered their heads. The older ones had sent the younger ones to find water and there was no water. It affected the next generation. Every church that ever exists has a responsibility to the next generation and the generation after that. It says our responsibility as a church for the next generation is simply to provide them with everything that we believe that they need to live a life for God and with God. And so in this particular instance here, he said there's nothing there. There's nothing there. 
I mean, they go and they send their kids and they say, there's nothing there. All because they had forsaken the fountain of living water. Imagine them sitting with their kids going, but dad, mom, you told us about the stories of God, of how he rescued us and he delivered us. And yet when we go to the the fountain, it's not there. And when we go to the cistern, it's all dried up. There's nothing for us to take. We have that responsibility to the next generation. He says the second thing we see is this is the cistern became a prison. Jeremiah 38 verse 6 says, So they took Jeremiah, put him into the cistern of Malchijah, the king's son, which was in the courtyard of the guard. They lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud. And Jeremiah sank down into the mud. And finally, it became a grave. Jeremiah 41 verse 9 says, Now the cistern where we threw all the bodies of the men he had killed along with Gedilia was the one king Asa had made as part of his defense against Basha, king of Israel. Ishmael's son of Nathaniel filled in with the dead. Why, why, do I, why do I write that? Because, well, why do I read that? But, because I can't just finish this with, with probably just with a nice message this morning that there isn't consequences for forsaking the living water. Actually, we see the consequences in this story here. That the Firstly, that there was nothing for the next generation to drink from. It eventually became a prison for Jeremiah, who was God's spokesman. And the third thing is this, it eventually became a grave for people. What they had built thinking that would be the supply for them actually became all those three things. You see, and all because of a gradual turning away from God because there was something that was broken. And we come this morning in just our final few minutes. And and God always presents that opportunity, doesn't he? To redeem that redemption that he offers. For us to turn around and say, you know, I'm struggling with my prayer life, I'm struggling with, with, with reading the Bible. I'm struggling sometimes to, to get out to church. I'm struggling with something that God has given me, which is the supply of the fountain of living water. And if I neglect that, if I turn around and neglect that, what will happen is I will start drinking from my own stinking bowl over here where there'll be a little bit of water floating on top, but it's mixed with everything else. And you know what I'll say? I'll say, that'll do. That's okay. That's all I need. But what happens when that dries up and it runs out? What happens when that becomes nothing I can take anything from God from? When I face the challenge this morning and the challenge I face and and you face is this, is wherever we are, I want you to imagine this fountain of living water here. What do I need to do to get myself back to that fountain? What do I need to do to get back to that life-giving water, that spring of water that has been offered to me? And what do I need to do to stay close to it? What do I need to do to abide in it? You know, they built where they lived near the spring of the living water. And in the spiritual sense, that's what some of us have to do this morning. We've got to stop sitting around the pool. And if you notice, the cisterns like the swimming pool, isn't it? Filled with water, people like to sit there, the sun shining, get a tan, a wee mocktail, things like that. It says, and we sit around there, and yet God is saying, you need to move away from there, to move away from there. 
to this fountain of living water that is, I have offered you this morning. I can fix what's broken in the middle. I can fix what's broken. This is on offer. It's not that we've got to work hard to get back to God. We often think that we've got to beat ourselves up and we've got to do things that sort of, you know, make us feel bad to come back to God. God is there and he's waiting for his children and he's saying, I've always been the fountain of life-giving water. I've always been the spring that you need in your life. I have everything you need, the protection, the provision that you need. You are wallowing in your own cistern, in your own mess, in your own mud, in your own dirt, and all the other stuff that's going on over here. And you're actually thinking, I'm okay here. But God is offering so much better there. Because it's life-giving. It's what he wants us to have. You see, Judah moved away from it permanently. They never took the chance to go back. They moved further and further away. Don't move further and further away this morning. So we come to finish this morning as a team. Joins me up on the platform and they come with their final song. The opportunity is presented to us. The final song for us to come. To say, God, I need, I need to get back to you. God, I need you to fix what's broken so I can move from there to there. Let's take a moment to pray just before the team lead us. And Father, we thank you this morning because we know it's a word of challenge. Father, we know, Father God, that, 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 that your desire is to fix within us everything that's broken so you can repair us and use us and bless us. And Father, as we come this morning, let a, the challenge be for me, and for everyone gathered here, what, what pool are we drinking from? We're drinking from your fountain of life-giving water. Are we drinking from our own supply? Are we drinking from that stuff that we'll just do because it's all we need? And yet you offer us this life-giving water this morning. You call us back to you this morning. You draw us unto you this morning. And Father, we, for that we say thank you. And Father, you know what people need in their lives. Each and every person gathered in here will have a need. And Father, you know that need. And Father, we simply ask by your Spirit as your Word has gone forward, the Father God, by your Spirit, you will do the work in the hearts of people that need to be done, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.